This sermon is from Edgewood Baptist Church. You can find more information about us online at ebc-edmonds.org. Thanks for listening. Today we're going to talk about the benefit of knowing a risen Lord. In today's sermon, I want to talk about the benefits that come from knowing a risen Lord. One, if we know a risen Savior, we know a risen Lord, we can overcome our past. We're not shackled by the past. We're not labeled by our past. We can truly become new creations in Christ if we know the risen Lord. Second, it gives us purpose. It gives us purpose. And we're going to speak more of each one of these, but it gives us purpose in the present. It gives us something worth living for. And last, it gives us a hope for the future. And when we say knowing a risen Lord, knowing is more than knowing about. It's knowing, having a relationship with Christ. We've been praying about this service. We've been praying that you would be here today, that we would be together today. We've been praying that the Holy Spirit would open our eyes, each one of us, so that we can more fully see Christ. We're asking you now, would you be bold enough to take a moment and just say a little prayer that goes something like this. Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Lord Jesus, reveal yourself to me. Amen? Whether you've never come to know Jesus and you're just seeking to find out more about him, we welcome you. Whether you're here and you know Jesus, but you'd like to get to know him better, we're glad you're here. We wanted to remind ourselves of the benefit of knowing a risen Lord. Now, we said a risen Lord. We could have said the risen Lord because there's only one risen Lord, Jesus Christ. Somebody sent a card one time and it said, what's the difference between Christianity and all the other religions of the world? And when you opened it up, it said Easter. Today, as I read from the Gospel of John, we're, we're going to read John chapter 20, verses 11 through 23. Let's reflect together on this passage. Verse 11, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, So there Mary is outside the tomb. It says, But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. Let me make, make a comment here. If you read the four Gospels, if you have a Bible, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you read their accounts of the resurrection, you'll find they're not identical. At first, at first reading, it may seem that they contradict one another. I find that to be evidence that Jesus truly rose from the dead, right? You're going to make up a story. If you're going to make it up, if you're going to collaborate a story together, you'd make sure you all had the same story. Identical, probably, Right? The other thing is, is they didn't get rich on this story. They faced suffering and death. 
those earlier followers of Christ, many of them. And they refused to denounce their faith because Jesus truly had risen from the dead. Amen? Let's go back now. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stood and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had laid, lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? Important point I want to make here. Mary, Mary Magdalene, she'd had a, a life-changing experience with Jesus. According to, to the Scripture and the Gospel of Luke, she'd had seven demons cast out of her. You can read that, about that in the Gospel of Luke, 8th chapter, 2nd verse. Her life had been changed by Jesus. But the events that had unfolded, the beating of Jesus, the crucifixion of Jesus, and being laid in the tomb, had brought her to a point that she was standing outside the tomb of Jesus, the empty tomb of Jesus, weeping. And she's asked, why are you weeping? And the point I want to make is, she wasn't weeping so much about what had happened, she was weeping on the basis of her interpretation of what had happened. Her interpretation after all of these things that have happened to me, all these things that have been taken from me, the Jesus that I love has been brutally killed. Now I come to mourn his loss. I, I come, and they won't even give me a chance to, to properly mourn somebody's taken and stolen the body. That's what she sees, right? And she doesn't even recognize Jesus when he speaks to her. She was asked about what she was seeking. We see that Jesus said to him, Woman, why you are weeping? Whom are you seeking? Sometimes we find exactly what we're looking for. She came looking for the dead body of Jesus. She didn't find it. She was still seeking the dead body of Jesus. We see that in the next verses. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. 
Jesus said that if you seek, you will. If you knock, the door will be open to you. As Christians, we're not afraid of having our faith investigated. In fact, if you're visiting today, we have a book in the back we'd love to give you at the information table. Just drop by. We'd love to have you fill out your connection card um, and drop that in the offering box and then head back to the table and we have a book called A Case for Christ. I think it's going to answer every question you have, but it's a good beginning to investigate the claims of Christ. But what are we seeking? What are we looking for? I pray today that we were earnest, those of us who prayed for the Lord to reveal himself to us today. Amen? Verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you for forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This forgiving and withholding of forgiveness is through the preaching and proclamation of the gospel. But the way you are forgiven is through receiving Jesus as your Lord and Savior and banking your hope on him. They, they weren't free to just make up the, the way that you were forgiven. But through the powering the empowering of the Holy Spirit, the followers of Jesus Christ, will to bring the message of forgiveness to the nations and to the world. Amen? Did you see it there? The risen, the risen Lord meant, meant that Mary was freed from her past, over to overcome her past. It gave her purpose, as it did all the followers of Christ, a purpose in the present to share the good news. We have a purpose, to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, and to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all things that he has commanded us. Amen? And we do all that for the glory of God. When we, when we come to know there is in the Lord, we're freed from our past, we're given purpose in the present, and we have a future hope. Amen? Let's talk a little bit about the Apostle Paul, who was changed by the risen Lord. When he first heard of Christianity, he hated it and went around and had people arrested for believing it. He stood by why Stephen was stoned to death. But he had an experience on the road to Damascus that changed everything. He came to know the risen Savior and Lord. And he writes this by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's in your Bibles. At, you'll find it, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 20. He says this, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. 
For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with Scripture, and he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God, that is with me." Then it was I or they, so we preached and so you believed. I want to stop there before I read further. Next week, we're going to talk about doubts. What do we do with our doubts? What if I doubt this whole Christianity thing? We're going to talk about Thomas's doubts and our own doubts, and I hope you can come back for that. I was reading a post on Facebook by Lawrence Krauss, an atheist, and he was challenging people with this question. If you're choking, you're choking, and you've got a choice, I can do one or two things for you. I can pray for you or I can do the Heimlich. Which will you choose? And, and, his, and his conclusion is, I believe in science. But, but the reason that I want to call your attention to that is, And I heard somebody yell both. There is kind of a false dichotomy, right? (laughs) But faith in Jesus Christ, faith in a risen Lord, doesn't cause us to turn off our brains. We believe in science because we believe that God created an orderly universe. We believe that we should do the Heimlich because we believe that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Our Christianity will bring us to action to help. Not to simply pray and do nothing. In the book of James, in the epistle to James, he warns about faith without works. And here we see the apostle Paul say that his faith in the risen Lord make him work harder than any of If our atheist friend is offended by a Christianity that does nothing, so are we. Right? Let's continue to read. Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain. And your faith is in, say it. So we're wasting our time here. Is that what he's saying? We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he has raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. In other words, you can't overcome your past. You're still stuck with your sins. 
Continuing to read, verse 18. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. See what he's saying? If Jesus is raised from the dead, your faith is worthless, right? You're stuck in your past, and there's no hope for those who've already died. They're dead. There's a tradition in many churches of bringing Easter lilies on Easter Sunday and putting them up in front of the church in memory of a loved one as a reminder that because Christ has risen, we will see our loved one again in heaven if they have faith in Christ. Amen? Verse 20, so important here. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Amen? So let's recap what Paul Paul says. Christianity without the resurrection is pathetic. It offers false faith that is worthless. It is powerless to remove our guilt. It leaves us with no hope beyond the grave and no comfort for those mourning the loss of loved ones. It has no purpose but to deceive and give false hope. The apostle Paul sees the resurrection of Jesus as the motivating factor in life. Through the risen Lord Jesus, we can know our life's efforts are not in vain. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 56 through 58. He writes, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, did you catch the therefore? You don't have therefores in writing if you're calling upon people to make emotional decisions without any thought. There's no therefore. Therefore is a reasoning statement. Because of what I've just said, therefore. Not based on nothing. This isn't just pep rally faith. Some hands of people who've been in athletics here. Have you ever had those pep talks from your coach or even pep rallies with the band and everything? Well, you and I both know those are great. They're a lot of fun, but they don't replace being prepared, right? I mean, we've, if you've been in athletics, you've had a coach t- tell you, we're great, we're going to do great, we're going to destroy this team, we're going to do good, blah, 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 blah. And then you went out and just got crushed. Right? A pep talk without any practice or without any reality, you know, I can't imagine a coach saying, you know what? We're not doing any practice, we're just doing pep rallies. What? My friends, I think that's what happens to a lot of folks in Christianity. I gather for a little bit, for a half an hour, and I have a pep rally. I spent no time investigating the evidence of a risen Lord. No time really applying his teaching to my life. I just settle for a pep rally. And we're surprised when a coworker or a professor or somebody pushes against our faith and there's nothing there. That's not what we want, right? We want to feel, experience, and know through, through thoughts that have been set free by the renewing power of Jesus Christ, the risen Lord, is a reality. 
Amen. Let's, let's walk through these benefits. The benefits of knowing there is a Lord. One, we can overcome our past. You and I come today with a lot of things in our past we wish weren't there. True? Are you with me? I mean, people have hurt us in ways that we wish they wouldn't have hurt us. We've been beaten up in some places. And that's not bad enough. We look at our own past behavior and we realize we've done some stuff that's really just disgusting. Would you be honest with me and say that's true? And we live in a world that wants to label us by our past, wants to pin us to our past. But Jesus came to die on the cross to pay for the sins of all who would put their faith and trust in him. To say, no, on our own, we're not good enough to be a part of God's family. No, on our own, we're not good enough to go to heaven, but Jesus has come to set us free from our sins. Amen? Example I like to give in the children's sermon, I used to offer a dollar for any child who could get out of the sanctuary without touching the floor of the back doors and into the foyer. A lot of kids say that's impossible, and there'd always be a child that would say, but kids liked it because they were normally the ones who knew, knew, the, knew what to say, and they would say, carry me. Right? It's impossible. Well, it's impossible you try it on your own, but you let me carry you out, you're fine. You try to get yourself to heaven, you try to get yourself in the family of God, and your own effort won't happen. The benefits of a risen Lord is, I don't have to earn my own way to heaven. Praise the Lord. I ask you to listen really carefully to what I'm about ready to say because I don't want it to be misunderstood. When we talk about getting past our past, we need to understand how salvation works. In the little booklet that I wrote that's out in the foyer, we talk about this objection to Christianity. I tried Christianity and it didn't work. And I think a lot of times that's because people don't know how Christianity works. When I was a child in church, sometimes people would say that if we come to Christ, we're justified. We say, well, what's justification? And they would say, justification means it's just as if you've never sinned. When I got to seminary, I gave that answer, and my professor said it was wrong, or at least only partially right. That concerned me. So I asked him about it, and he said, well, there's a sense in which when we come to Christ, that would be right, it's just as if we've never sinned because there's no penalty left for our sin, we've been set, set free from it, true? So we have a righteous standing before God, before God in legal terms, right? But, he said, the temporary consequences of those sins still linger in this life. Does that make sense? It's really important we get this, guy. it's really, really important because I think a lot of people reject Christianity over things that Christianity never taught. So for years, I, I went to a jail and did a Bible study in the jail. Someone would say, I gave my life to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And if I was to tell them, it's just as if you've never sinned, then they could probably say to me, oh, good, we're getting out of jail today then. But that's not what's going to happen, right? 
when you give your life to Jesus, yeah, there'll, there'll be some lingering pain, true? Yeah, there'll be some stuff that you'll live with temporary consequences. But God will use those pain for his glory and your ultimate good. I told that at the first service, and at the very end of the benediction time, I felt compelled to tell the end of the story about one of the men I met in prison. He gave his life to the Lord completely. It didn't mean a get-out-of-jail-free pass. Mandatory sentencing for what he did meant eight years in prison. When he came to talk to me, or actually, I came to him, he said to me this, Is it arrogant that I don't feel like I'm going to federal prison as a prisoner? I feel like I'm going as a missionary to tell them what Christ has done in my life. He served his eight years. He stayed faithful to his Lord. He got out of prison, returned to his marriage. He was part of our small group ministry. And when we sat around and talked about purpose, he said, I don't wake up a day in the morning that I don't know my purpose. My purpose is to glorify God by telling people about Jesus. Right? Amen. Do you want free from your past? Are you tired of wearing it around? You can be free. Come to know there is in the Lord. Two, we can live with purpose in the present. Well, there's this big lie that your life doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do. There's no purpose to your life. But God has given us a purpose. Our purpose is to glorify him by carrying out the great command, the great commission. Show the greatness of God by loving God, loving people, knowing Christ, and making him known. How does that live out in your life? Whatever walk of life you're in, as we come together, you can use it for the glory of God. Medical doctors, dentists, housekeepers, stay-at-home moms, unemployed folks. We all have the opportunity to use where we are by the grace of God to make a difference in the world we live. Amen? Isn't that what he says? Therefore, therefore what? 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Praise the Lord. You've got to memorize that sometimes, don't we? You see, knowing our risen Lord does not remove our problems. It makes them temporary and gives them purpose. Amen? Let me say something else here. Maybe you're struggling with doubts yourself. You need to know we love you. You're welcome here as you struggle with those doubts, and we'd love to talk to you about them. Amen? Last night, I saw on my Facebook page one of those, someone you might know. And it was a person 
that I had led to the Lord by God's grace. Got excited about Christ, got baptized in the church, and then relapsed in drugs and some other things, and was angry at me, and was angry at the church. Here's his picture. And, and I believe it was Satan whispers in her ear, see, the Jesus thing, it just doesn't really work. Now, there's a lot of theology we could talk about right here, right? So you probably got lots of questions. I said a prayer, and I requested friendship. I was standing here at the service this morning when I got the word, thanking me and telling me of his faith in the Lord. The interesting thing was, I get emotional about this because I had been praying for him and then I just kind of stopped praying for him for a while. And I remember when I was praying for him, it was like the Lord said to me, this is not the final chapter of his life. This is not where it stops. This is not where it's over. It's not over at the relapse. It's over at the restoration. Amen? You think about Mary Magdalene. She'd had demons cast out of her. She was excited about, about the Lord. Then some stuff happens that she can't understand, and she's standing at the empty tomb of Jesus, and instead of seeing evidence of the resurrection, she only sees more things to be upset and weep over. But she's wrong, and the story doesn't end with her weeping at the tomb. It, it ends. Well, it'll never end, actually. For all eternity, she's going to be praising her Lord because she, she met him that day. And after his ascension, she continued to follow him and praise the Lord. She was set free. Amen? If you're here today, I, I don't believe you're here by accident. Lots of people have been praying. And today has been an exciting day about how the resurrected Savior makes a difference in people's lives. Amen? He gives us purpose. We don't have an answer to every question, but he, he gives us purpose. And third, we have hope for the future. We have hope for the future. Amen? I don't understand why some things happen to you. James Montgomery Boyce tells the story of a, a young girl dying. I believe she was dying of leukemia. And her condition had gotten really bad. And the doctor stepped out of the room to kind of, or at least to the edge of the room to talk to the parents. And he said to her, parents, we've done all that we can do. I think her best days have passed. And the little girl overheard it and said, no, they haven't, 
my best days are ahead in heaven. To me, my friends, that's not fairy tale. That's reality. The Bible never asks you to turn off your brain. It asks you to let your brain be renewed, your mind be renewed by the Holy Spirit. To experience the resurrection power of Jesus Christ in a way that changes your life. 